It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. This month's sponsor of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent, integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance program, visit this month's sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Today, I want to take a look at the structure and function of a board compliance committee through the prism of the Office of Inspector Generals from the Department of Health and Human Resources report of practical guidance for healthcare governing boards on compliance oversight. Through this paper, the OIG provided compliance practitioners and indeed the Healthcare Industry Board of Directors with its views on the proper role of a board in overseeing the compliance function. However, I found this paper to be particularly applicable to all corporate board compliance committees and therefore wanted to review it and ask you to consider the concepts the OIG puts forward in your board compliance committee. As an introduction, the OIG states that a board must act in good faith around its obligations regarding compliance. This means there must be both a must be both corporate information and a reporting system, and that such reporting mechanisms provide appropriate information to the Compliance Committee. It stated, the existence of a corporate reporting system is a key compliance program element, which not only keeps the board informed of the activities of the organization, but enables an organization to evaluate and respond to issues of potentially illegal or otherwise inappropriate activity. The report sets forth four general areas of board oversight and review of a compliance function. Number one, roles of and the relationship between the organization's audit, compliance, and legal departments. Number two, mechanisms for <clears throat> and process for issue reporting within an organization. Number three, approach to identifying regulatory and compliance risk. And number four, Methods of encouraging enterprise-wide accountability for the achievement of compliance goals and objectives. While noting that a corporate compliance function should promote the prevention, detection, and remediation of compliance violations, the OIG guidance goes on to state that an organization's CCO should neither be counsel for the provider nor be subordinate in function or position to the counsel or legal department in any way. Rather, the board should ensure that the chief compliance officer and compliance function have adequate resources to fulfill their assigned role within an organization and access to the board. The board should evaluate and discuss how management works together to address risk, 
including the role in each of the following, identifying compliance risk, investigating compliance risk, and avoiding duplication of effort, identifying and implementing appropriate corrective action and decision-making, and finally, communicating between the various functions throughout the process. A key component of board and compliance committee oversight is through the flow of information. The OIG says that a board should set up and enforce expectations for receiving particular types of compliance-related information from various members of management. The board should receive regular reports regarding the organization's risk mitigation and compliance efforts separately and independently. These reports can come to the board via a variety of reporting mechanisms, regular board meetings, special executive sessions where the board meets with a CCO or compliance leadership outside the presence of senior management, and ad hoc committee ad hoc communications from the CCO, and certainly reports from the compliance committee directly to the full board. All of these help create a continuous expectation of open dialogue, which is paramount for the proper board and compliance committee oversight. Of course, if a serious compliance issue arises, it needs to be communicated directly in a timely manner to the full board. But in addition to setting the expectation for the flows of information, a board must also set expectations for holding senior management accountable for areas such as compliance. This can be done through the assessment of individual department or facility level performance or consistency in executing the compliance program. Using this information to pay out or withhold discretionary-based bonuses based upon compliance and quality outcomes. Some companies have made participation in annual incentive programs contingent on satisfactorily meeting annual compliance goals. Others have instituted employee and executive compensation clawback provisions if compliance metrics are not met. However, the key component is that through a system of defined compliance goals and objectives against which performance can be measured and incentivized, organizations can effectively communicate the message that everyone ultimately is responsible for compliance. A compliance committee also needs to have regular reports on the risks that any organization might face. This means keeping abreast of relevant and emerging regulatory risks, the role and functioning of an organization's compliance program in the face of those risks, and the flow and evaluation of reporting of potential issues and problems to senior management. The OIG speaks of technical solutions when it says that some boards use tool boards, such as dashboards, containing key financial, operational, and compliance indicators to assess risk, performance against budgets, strategic plans, policies and procedures, or other goals and objectives, in order to strike a balance between too much and too little information. For instance, board quality committees can work with management to create the contended content of dashboards with the goal of identifying and responding to risk and improving the quality of care. Moreover, a board should also mandate <clears throat> that a company's compliance function have the proper tools in place to facilitate compliance internal reporting. Boards should consider having or establishing a risk-based reporting system in which those responsible for compliance function provide reports to the board when certain risk-based criteria are met. The board should be assured that there are mechanisms in place to ensure timely reporting of suspected violations and to evaluate the implementation of remedial measures. These tools may be used to track and identify trends in organizational performance against corrective plans developed in response to compliance concerns. Ultimately, a compliance committee and indeed the entire board should drive home the message of compliance, which is it's a way of life in our business so that it permeates into the DNA of an organization.
If a board can help drive compliance into the fabric of an organization, it will have done more than simply fulfill its legal obligations, stated in Caremark, Stone and & Ritter, and Disney going forward. The board will have helped to make the entire organization more compliance-centric, and when a board can facilitate such change in its attitudes, it will have moved several steps down the road of doing business in compliance with relevant laws. So as you can see, this OIG guidance for healthcare companies is very applicable to non-healthcare companies, and I hope you will consider many of these uh, items that have set, been set forth by the OEG, OIG. I will link to the uh, OIG report in the uh, show notes and write-up for this podcast, so if you want to, uh, you can explore it, and I would urge you to do so. So what are the three key takeaways from today? I think the first one is that information flow is critical. This is information up from the chief compliance officer and the compliance function to the compliance committee and indeed the full board, but it's also information down. Uh, The OIG was very strong about discussing internal reporting mechanisms and how that information is treated. How that information passes up to the board and the board's response there, too, is equally important. Second, the compliance committee needs to drive home the message that compliance is a way of life in your organization. That is precisely what Wei Chin continually talks about when she makes public remarks in her role as the compliance counsel for the Justice Department. It is burning compliance in the very fabric of your organization, putting it into the DNA of your company. Or, in her most recent pronouncements in the FCPA pilot program, operationalizing compliance. You have to make compliance a way of life in your organization, and you do that by operationalizing it within the corporate disciplines, beginning with the business unit. Number three, although it may be named the Board Compliance Committee, it really needs to take a look at all risks. And this is because the OIG really feels that it's through the expertise of compliance that board-level professionals are able to more accurately forecast, assess, and then monitor risk on an ongoing basis. Of course, if something pops up and it needs to be fully disclosed for board discussion, that's appropriate. But having the committee, the Compliance Committee, handle the first-line board response on risk and uh, receiving information on risk can be a very valuable tool. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, where in the month of August, we're going to take a look at the role of the board of directors in a best practices compliance program. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, for sponsoring this month's series. This production of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join me again tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.